Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of Digging Deeper. I'm Jared, and this is Nick Bradley, our lead pastor at First Baptist Church of Clovis, and we're going to be digging deeper today on his sermon from this past Sunday. So Nick, do you want to give us a quick recap on what you kind of talked about? Sure. Uh, so we're covering the book of John. Right now we're in John 14, the second half of it, and it's in the upper room. And the way we're kind of looking at this section of the upper room, which covers several chapters, five, six chapters, is is the fact that Jesus has just told his disciples in chapter 13 that he's leaving. He washes his feet and he tells them, go and do as I have done. Uh, and then they're left kind of going, okay, why are you explaining this to us? And he's basically telling them, because I'm leaving. And they get worried and they start to fear. So numerous times he says, do not fear. Uh, I'm going to send one greater than I. And he starts in, in chapter 14 saying, I'm going to send the helper, uh, alluding to the Holy Spirit. We find out he tells us he's going to send the, the Holy Spirit, obviously uh, the part of the Trinity, which they probably don't fully get just yet. Um, but we see Jesus doing a few different things. One, equating himself with God. God is equal to spirit. Spirit is equal to Jesus. Therefore, Jesus is equal to God. And he's encouraging them. And John is saying, I'm writing all these things down so that you can remember his words and he can prove who he is. So if he can come back from the dead, that should prove to you that all these things are real. Uh, and then he goes and discusses what the Holy Spirit will do for them and talks about not fearing and the sort of peace that they'll have uh, and to go and make disciples and do as I've done for each other. And over these five or six chapters, what we call the upper room discourse, is, is he's saying, this is what my disciples are called to do. And so uh, we kind of, in the last couple chapters, we're on step maybe three of being a disciple. We're called to first believe. Uh, and then uh, we move into love me, and and that's kind of where we're at now. And so if you love me, you'll obey my commands. And then as the weeks progress, we're going to see more and more what a disciple of Jesus looks like as we look at the upper room. So mm. It's really exciting. Um, so was there anything from your preparation time that you were like, man, this is really cool, this is really interesting, but I just don't have time for it this week, and it's not quite close enough to the main topic that I'm trying to hit that... Um, yeah, there's, I mean, there's, there's always, there's always uh, little things that I can't, we can't cover. I think the thing that I didn't really spend much time on is when Jesus says one greater than I, that word greater messes people up, especially if, um, you believe in the Trinity and you're like, well, how is, how is the Holy Spirit greater than Jesus if they're equal? And mm -hmm. there's a lot of misconception there. And I, whenever possible, we want to give clarity to that, but I was covering other concepts about peace and what that means, but just the concept of greater, and it's more of a, instead of a value, it's more of a numerical greater. Jesus in bodily form could only talk to who's ever right in front of him, at most a few hundred thousand people if he's surrounded, and that's at best. Mm -hmm. He chose to walk with 12, and there were three he said that were really close, and one who claims that he loved. And so he had that sort of like friend circle, and in human form, he could only be so effective in communication. Mm -hmm. And so he says, one greater than I in terms of communication is coming. The Holy Spirit will come and reside in anyone. And that kind of blew the disciples' minds, right? Like, mm -hmm. well, what, what about it? You've only made yourself clear to us. How are you going to spread out to everyone? How are you going to let the nations know? And he answers their question by saying, after me, one greater, because one that can reach everyone. 
um, God in that form, if you will, is going to reach everyone and is going to do great things. So it's not greater in value, but greater in numbers and effectiveness in reaching people. Mm-hmm. Um, because without Jesus dying and fulfilling the greatest sacrifice, there's nothing greater for the Holy Spirit to go talk about or remind people of. And so, yeah, I, I think I would have liked to have camped on that a little bit more during the sermon, but it kind of just wasn't enough time. So one other thing you talked about was the title given to the Holy Spirit, the helper. You want to elaborate a little bit on that? Sure. Uh, you know, with a title comes sort of a purpose or a role, right? And so the helper in some Bible versions, the advocate, it's actually a legal term. It's, it's kind of like a lawyer, one that defends or advocates for you. And, and so if Jesus were going to go pay the price for you, there needs to be one in court still defending you, mm-hmm. uh, or at least prior. And so um, you have someone who's willing to whisper to you, here's what you're supposed to do. Here's what you're supposed to say. And in, in John 14, we're told the Holy Spirit will come in those moments when you're trying to spread the word and will whisper you the answers, like mm-hmm. the great answer whisperer. So it's supposed to be an encouragement when we fear that, don't fear, I'm going to give you exactly what you need to say. Um, And so if he's the helper, it begs the question, what do I need help with? He promises to help us during certain times. So we need to stop and say, but when does he promise he's going to help us? With my math test, with, you know, moving across town or buying a Honda versus a Toyota. He doesn't promises us those things. Not that he doesn't, but that's not what this promise is. But people use that promise for those types of things. Mm. He says, I'm going to come help you when you're doing the great uh, commandment and the great commission, making disciples of all nations, baptizing mm-hmm. them in the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And so when you hear all nations baptize disciples, that's big. I need help. Don't worry, I have a helper. Not to buy your Honda, but to go make disciples. So one of the other things you shared was this story of a ship from like back in history that had some sort of tragic situation. Could you elaborate a bit more on, on the story? Yeah, uh, well, maybe you've heard of it, the Titanic, uh, right? And so um, I, I, used the, I used the analogy of the sinking of the Titanic to talk about one of the greatest compliments I've received, but it wasn't to make me look good, it was to um, sort of exemplify a type of person based upon a compliment I had received. The Carpathia was the first ship uh, that, that got to the Titanic within, I think, 90 minutes of it sinking. And so the Titanic, of course, losing 1,500 souls. Uh, There were 700 plus people that were saved and they were saved in the frigid waters surrounded by icebergs because the Carpathia, which was I think about 60 plus miles away, had a captain that when he heard one of the first SOSs to come across the radio waves and was woken up, he made the fateful decision to uh, put everything towards getting there as quick as possible. While several other ships ignored the call or thought it was fake or you know, chose not to go for whatever reason, uh, the Carpathia, Ronstrom, I believe was the captain's name, he said, I want the boilers going at full speed or a full heat, uh, and then I want double shifts shoveling coal in there. Uh, and while the ship was only supposed to go 14 knots, it went 17 and a half knots, which was a big deal. It went past yeah. what it was supposed to go. And in the middle of the night, in waters that have already been proven a detriment to the Titanic, the unsinkable ship, this was sketchy at best. 
Uh, he ordered everyone on the boat to turn down their heat so all heat would go towards the boiler so they could go faster. He ordered all public rooms uh, to be used for uh, feeding and warming up the people they were going to be picking up, God willing. And it was just sort of all out uh, to go save lives. And, and one of the greatest compliments I had shared that I received from my wife actually was, you're the Carpathia. Uh, it's always one more. What can we do? One more conversation, one more coffee, uh, you know, uh, five more minutes of talking to someone, uh, a little bit more money to help that person out. And um, yeah, I never looked at it that way. Of course, I don't feel like I'm all that or anything, but she was encouraging me that that's what you do. But more importantly, that's what we're called to do. Mm-hmm. And anyone that's been in ministry or not even in ministry, that's too, sounds too formal. Anyone that has said, I want to, I want to fulfill the Great Commission. I want to go make disciples. You know, the person that just meets with people and talks to them because they work for a church and not. Uh, pray for someone. Um, go encourage them. Help them financially. Help them move their stuff. I and mean, that person is just like, just one more, one more weekend, one more conversation might just do the trick for them to see Jesus. Um, the, while it's both an encourage, while it's an encouragement to, to do that, those of us that have done it for any length of time know it can be hugely discouraging mm-hmm. because not everyone gets saved. You know, uh, 1,500 people did in fact die in the Titanic tragedy and only 700 lived. But, but the Carpathia was known for being the one that went and saved. We're called to go and be known for the ones that we saved and pretend or at least hope that we can save them all mm-hmm. um, and not pick and choose who we do or don't witness to or love, but to go love so well, so hard for so long that um, people see Jesus in us. Mm-hmm. Um, but I caution that we're going to suffer for that. We might get ridiculed. It might come at a sacrifice financially or the precious time that we have or our comforts. Um, and I said, I talked about because the, the verses in that section, Jesus says, my peace I give you. Not mm-hmm. the peace that the world promises, but my peace. And so there's this interesting like thing where he's like, go do this and you're going to suffer, and you're going to have more peace than you'll ever have. Mm-hmm. And I kind of used it as the analogy that when you suffer in this way, not just suffer, but in this way to go make disciples, you, you get a peace that I'm actually doing something for eternity, that I'm actually contributing towards something that will last forever, not working harder to get a bigger car or to get higher grades. Or, and those things are okay, but where our real passion lies, where we get real peace, comes from making disciples and spreading the word. Um, People who've attained a lot in this life will be the first to tell you, is is this really what it's all about? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that that was kind of fun to jump into, but I used the analogy of the ship of the Carpathia as an example of what a disciple looks like. And it wasn't mine, I stole it from someone else because there's no copyright in the kingdom, but (laughs) it was the greatest compliment I had received from the person who I hold in highest esteem was my wife, Mm -hmm. so. Yeah, so that's what that was about. I think it's a great story. And as you're talking about the Carpathia and this story, something that sticks out to me is the SOS. This was one of the first times it was used. This was a brand new thing meant to reach out and help a larger number of people and larger number of ships. Um, and so there's an interesting parallel between like that SOS signal and the Holy Spirit, hmm. um, which you can almost see several different layers of like, when the Holy Spirit first came, the disciples didn't really know what to do with it. There was this this extraness that they're yeah. like, oh, and then, and they reacted out of that. But then we see now, like, 
the SOS is almost just like it's universal. Like, you don't need to speak the language. You don't need to know anything about sailing. But you know if you see SOS, somebody needs help. Right. And so in the same way, like, we can know the Holy Spirit is there to help us in, in these ways. But it's a good reminder to go back into um, what the Holy Spirit is here to help us to do. is right. to save people. Right. It's interesting you say that. Like, I, I hadn't thought about it before, but kind of hearing you expand on the analogy, it's like, before Jesus made the sacrifice, there's no real atonement for sin. There's no way to really be saved, and we can get to the theology of that. But in essence, uh, to go with the analogy, that before Jesus, there was no SOS signal. There was a day when you were a ship and you went out, and it was all on you. And if you were to start sinking, that was it. Mm -hmm. There's no swimming back to shore. There's no sending a flare. There's no, like, you're, you're pretty much done. Jesus, in a sense invents the SOS signal mm -hmm. and 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 I guess the analogy breaks down at some point anyone who's not saved is sending out an SOS signal whether they know it or not mm -hmm. and it's our call to respond and interestingly enough people on the Titanic it took them a ton of time to realize they were even sinking yeah. many people thought it was an annoyance they didn't want to put on their life vests they got into the lifeboats half filled a quarter filled because they weren't taking the threat seriously mm -hmm. I didn't even think about that for Sunday but how much is the world like that? Yeah. They don't know they're drowning. In fact, the Carpathia might have known people were going to die before those people knew they were going to die. Yeah, that's a real possibility. If you think about the timeline, and, and, and that's one of the big rebukes of like the Titanic was that it, there were measures to save more people, mm -hmm. but they just weren't implemented. But that, like, you see that in some people saying, I'm fine. This is fine. It's, you know, there's this person over here trying to tell me that, like, if I don't, you know, except some guy from thousands of years ago, like I'm gonna go to hell or not go to heaven or whatever. And it's like, oh, okay, like, <clears throat> but there's a very real danger that we as Christians see other people's ships sinking around us all the time. Um, and we see the SOS signal that the save our soul signal. Yeah. Um, and that and it might be like right over their head and they just don't see it. And right. So, so our, our call isn't to just respond to those asking for help mm. our, because that relies upon them even knowing what peril they're in. Right. But as people who've been saved, we know what we were saved from because there was a day we didn't even know that we had sin. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, you know, the Lord reveals it to us. We accept his forgiveness and we see others in the same peril who don't know they're sinking. Our call comes from the Lord, not from who asked for help. And I think that changes our marching orders, doesn't yeah. it? Uh, you know, like, oh, well, I'll tell people about Jesus when they ask. They're never going to ask. you, you got to be praying for ways to bring it up. Mm -hmm. and, and so one of the challenges, I can't remember if I said it on Sunday, to be honest. Uh, I don't think I did, actually. But the challenges I've given is, man, just pick five people, ten people, and pray for them every single day. People you see on a semi-regular basis. Mm -hmm. And pray that, that Jesus can come up. Don't crowbar it and be weird, but look for the window and don't be gun shy. If people mm. talk about going through a hard time, maybe it's just a simple saying, you know, I know we've never done this, but can I just pray for you? Would that be okay? Can mm. I put my hand on your shoulder? Can I pray for you? Um, and if you've never done that, that might be your window. Or if it's someone's like, man, I just don't know what to do. Well, you know, I got a guy at the church I go to that they're good with finances or they might be want like offer help not just through you but through your faith community or because you have a faith and 
maybe even tell people, hey, you know, I heard something in church the other day and I'm working on this thing. I'm not telling you to work on it, but I'm working on my tongue or I'm working on my attitude. Will you help me when you see me have a poor attitude? Call me out. I'm not telling you to, but kind of like a swear jar. Every time I complain, I want you, you have permission to tell me. And every time you catch me, I give you a buck for catching me complaining. You're now rewarding that person for holding you accountable to God. Yeah. And who knows, that might just rub off on them or might, them go, might make them ask, why are you doing that? Mm -hmm. Thank you for asking. Mm -hmm. I would love to tell you. I just think if people took their marching orders from God and not from people sending the SOS, mm -hmm. things might look differently. Yeah, that's very So the challenge is five to 10 people in the next week, you know, whatever you get to, it's not like you're gonna be graded on it, but five to 10 people that you can reach out to and be praying for ways that God will reveal an opportunity for, for Jesus to come up. Um, and I believe that the Holy Spirit will help you find ways to do that. So that's the challenge for this week. Um, we, the big point we went over was belief. And so next week's point you said was... Oh, um, you gotta come check it out. Oh, yeah, gotcha. Uh, thanks for tuning in with us today. We hope to see you next time. Have a great week.